2: Nice work! You know, you guys are getting better at saying this second acts. <laughs> I just, no, no, I I'm, I'm didn't even mess it
3: up the first time.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm very intentional about it. Y'all got it. It's, hey, it's I would have messed it up if
3: it literally is not on, on top of my head. Or I'm looking at myself. Like I'm not lying. I would totally mess it up.
2: I'm very uh, intentional about it. <laughs> no, I can tell, Peanut. You really are. Like Rome, I don't never forget your name. But I was thinking, I was like, I was like, damn, I forgot his name. (laughs) I can't even lie. Until all of a sudden you needed it. Until, yeah. I'll never forget your damn name. Never. Until I needed it. Everybody, what's going on? I'm one of the hosts with the most peanut atonement, and you're listening to the NFL Player Second Acts podcast. Our special guest today. Thomas Q Jones. And I got my guy with me, as always, Roman. I want Thomas Jones, Arms, Harper with me on the show. What's up? What up? What up? What's up, brother? What's up, my guy?
3: And uh, I hear no lies in that statement. I totally want Thomas Jones, Arms.
2: Well, let me let me read a little bit about this, brother. So uh, Thomas Jones, the football player, he played 12 years. He was my teammate in Chicago for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Ran for over 10,000 yards. He ranks... Uh, 26th all-time on the NFL rushing list. So when he retired in 2011, he transformed from Thomas Jones, the football player, into Thomas Q. Jones, the actor, the writer, the producer. I tell you what, uh, Rome, I was super lucky and blessed to have this guy as a teammate. One of the biggest things that we did in Chicago was not keep him there after we had our Super Bowl run. He was one of those Amazing locker room guys, great savvy vet to kind of help bring up the young pups in our locker room. And probably one of the biggest mistakes we ever made in Chicago was uh, letting that man walk away.
3: You know how it is peanut every year, you know, those guys upstairs, they don't have a real pulse or a bead on what is going on on a day-to-day basis inside that locker room downstairs and, Every team has this one guy that's kind of like a glue guy that really helps things going. He's a great leader. He really shows the young guys what to do on a day-to-day basis and what it really is to be a pro. And, you know, all of a sudden you get the guys upstairs, the GM, the scouts, they're like, man, we just got this next guy in line. He's going to be great. He's a cheaper option. It's this, this, and this. And it's like, no, nope, he was only good or the best version of himself because you had the vet beside him help showing him the way on a day-to-day basis, man, showing the tricks of the trade. We see that every year, man. Uh, I watched that team, that Chicago Bears team, go to the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, you guys lost. It, and I love what Thomas Jones brought to that team, that organization. And uh, it stinks. But now we're going to hear more from his side of the story, too. So I'm looking forward to it, my man.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's check that out right now.
3: Okay, guys, Peanut could not be here with us to kind of conduct this interview, Thomas. I hope you are understand that. But, you know, as we previously recorded and you will hear in the intro already, I want you to hear this personally right now, Thomas, and I want to hear your reactions from what my man Peanut had to say about you.
2: I was super lucky and blessed to have this guy as a teammate. One of the biggest things that we did in Chicago was not keep him there after we had our Super Bowl run. He was one of those... Amazing locker room guys, great, savvy vet to kind of help bring up the young pups in our locker room. And probably one of the biggest mistakes we ever made in Chicago was uh, letting that man walk away.
4: Wow. Man, I mean, it's early. So hearing that is, you know, just hit me different. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, just, yeah. um, It means everything. It means everything. Uh, Chicago is the second home for me. Uh, it's where I, I really feel like my NFL career started uh, in Chicago, even though I was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, peanut was someone that I had a really close relationship with. Uh, I watched him evolve and grow uh, into a Hall of Fame football player. Uh, mm-hmm. I think some of the peanut punch, I deserve some of the credit for that because <laughs> because I have uh, – Actually, I have nerve damage in my both of my elbows because he punch, of him punching the ball out of my arms in practice every day, chasing me down. Um, you know, so he practiced a lot of that peanut punch on me and irritated me a lot. But he also helped me make sure I'm holding on to the ball. So we helped mm-hmm. each other. Um, it just means a lot, especially come from someone like him. You know, he's a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's a legendary cornerback. That's had, I mean, one of the best football players, best teammates that I've ever had that I could ever have and um in regards to me not being able to come back i was definitely definitely upset about that i felt like if i could have come back to chicago after that super bowl run uh we we definitely if we stayed healthy and Mm -hmm. played well we we definitely had an opportunity to get back to the super bowl and win and i wanted to win a super bowl in chicago Uh, i i kind of understood what that felt like just by seeing um the parades on tv and especially during the playoffs into the 2006 season um but um hey I had the opportunity to play in Chicago play with incredible teammates like like uh Charles Tillman so at least I have the memories
3: all right all right so you're talking about this peanut punch. So, because I was teammates with peanut for one year. That was later on in his career. He had already perfected this thing. So <laughs> how did this thing kind of evolve? Because you're the first person that's actually like, oh, he practiced it on me all the time. And when I saw him, he wasn't practicing as much. It was just perfected by that point. So how did this thing start to evolve and how how like tiresome were you of just like, look, dude, every time I turn around, you're trying to punch at me and, and chasing me over here?
4: Well, I signed with Chicago in 2004, and and practice, I developed this habit of finishing every run. Mm-hmm. So it was known that I would take every uh, every running play in team period, no matter where we were on the field, no matter wh- whether we were on our own thirty, we were on you know backed up on our own ten, uh, or you know on the opponent's ten. I would score every play, and. <laughs> no matter what situation it was, peanut would always chase me down and he would knock the ball out and and he would always catch me at the at the perfect time when I didn't think he was going to do it and and to be honest, the first few times it infuriated me almost to the point of where and he'll tell you this, I wanted to physically fight him uh, because he because I would get five yards from the end zone and he would punch the ball out and then it's a touchback. And that's on tape. So I have to watch that in my offensive meetings. He's not in those offensive meetings. So I have to watch that in my offensive meetings. And now, you know, depending on how the day went in practice, you know, my coach like, Thomas, you got to secure the ball. And I'm like, I'm 50 yards down the field. Like, you know. So, yeah, he he developed this whole thing of chasing me down, knocking the ball out at random times. Um, and he was – and he started doing it in the games. Um, and I wasn't there prior. So I hadn't seen him do that. Yeah. because i hadn't played with him but i know every time um i would see him punch the ball out in the games i would be ecstatic obviously because now i'm getting the ball back on offense but in practice when he would do the exact same thing to me even after the play i was running back to the huddle and he would come from behind and punch the ball out and i would be furious so it was a bit i had a i have a bittersweet relationship with the peanut punch because in practice i was in, infuriated but in the games I was like ecstatic you know so either way um it was incredible you know for him to have the wherewithal to do that because he also made me more cognizant and aware of holding on to the ball at all times regardless whether the whistle's blown or not so he made me a better person by practicing a peanut punch on me in practice every day
3: I you know he had never told me this and I'm by far giving you like 75% of the credit because he <laughs> didn't do this until you showed up. I'm giving you way more credit than what you were even trying to take. I'm just being honest here. It's real. All right. Now, I don't know you- if I can take
4: 75% because he Bro, still has to do it, you know. But I think it's okay. Can- I'm giving but, but, you seventy five. Okay, I'll take it then. I'll take it. I'll take it from you, not
3: from I'm take. I'm giving <laughs> you seventy five. You don't even. Need, you don't want it. You don't probably don't deserve it. But I'm giving <laughs> it to
4: you.
3: I'm giving it to you today. All right. That's what it is. I got you. Now, I'll take it. you played five more years after that Super Bowl year with and and with and then you played with the Jets and the Chiefs and you made a Pro Bowl. Uh, when did you know though it was time for you to retire? And I played you when you were with the Jets that that next year or so. We did, right, when I was with the right, Saints.
4: Right, yes, you did. I knew it was time to retire one random day in Kansas City when I woke up from a nap um, going into my 12th year in the NFL. Uh, I woke up, and uh, I'm not sure what made me feel this way, but I just felt like... Uh, I had enough. Uh, I guess they always say, when you know, you know. Mm-hmm. You never think you're gonna to get to that point because you love football so much, especially uh, me. I, I loved football since I was a five-year-old kid. And at that point I was 32, 33 years old <clears throat> and I was still in great shape physically. Mentally, I was still ambitious and still wanted to win a Super Bowl. So uh, there were there was really no rhyme or reason for me to, uh, to say I'm done, but I just felt it. and. Going into my 12th year, I knew that was going to be my last season.
3: Man, that's, I mean, it's real. Just like you say, when you know, you know. It's something about your mind, your body. And it, it, when you, it is your time, you know. And that's really cool, though, that you said you just woke up from a nap like, yeah, this is it. I know this. Right. And, you know, I watched a lot of your highlights uh, last night when uh, when you were toting that rock in Virginia. Bro. I forgot you used to tote that thing like that. So, and I also <laughs> want to just, I'll just get this out the way now. Why Peanuts not here to kind of pile on, all right? You're the main reason I started lifting and doing all these curls and triceps, my brother. Just wanted to let you know that. You know what I'm saying? Like, them them arms with them guns was popping, bro,
4: when coming out of the (laughs) jersey, right? (laughs) Listen, I'm happy to, listen, I'm happy to have inspired anybody because most of that was just me wanting to make sure I was as strong as possible and I could hold onto the ball and not fumble um but also you know there was some aesthetics aesthetics to it you know, it, 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 you know if you could come out you could get your jersey you know cut a little short yeah grease the arms up a little bit <laughs> a little bit more more tiger bomb on the arms you know for the I, games but that's dope bro thank I you i mean
3: we, we're not gonna say nobody's paying attention but somebody's always watching and paying attention to those things and right. uh it, it's just real funny because my big mantra was this though so Thomas, I used to do it and just say, "Look, everybody says you can't arm tackle in the league." I'd be like, "Watch me, just watch this dog." You know what I'm saying? But uh, Listen, a, ta- a tackle is a
4: tackle in the it's league. It's a
3: tackle, is a tackle, dog. Period. That was my, that, at least. That's what I used to tell myself. Um, right. Tell me this, though. Here's another personal question, and you know, uh, just on emotions. And so, you were on the ballot for the Hall of Fame in 2022. Uh, how much did you care about getting a gold jacket?
4: I think that's the ultimate individual award in football uh, Mm -hmm. to to be um, inducted into Canton. Obviously, there's a lot that goes into that. There's a lot of uh, politics, politics, politics. a lot of politics while you're playing to even get to the the point of nomination. Pro Bowls, um, all pros, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of criteria and also I think there are a lot of people have access to uh to voting for that that maybe don't don't have the criteria themselves to even mm-hmm. vote um but you know that's kind of the situation that you're in with the hall of fame you know i think there are a lot of guys that have had hall of fame caliber careers that that aren't in in the hall of fame and i think there are a couple of guys who um maybe didn't have the credentials that uh other guys should have that are in you know so it's just all subjective um, it's an honor either way, just to even be recognized and and, and put uh, in the same category as, as some of these incredible uh, running backs that have had outstanding uh, NFL careers. So one way or another, I'm proud of my career. I'm proud of the effort, my efforts that I put forward. I'm proud of uh, the relationships that I made and, and and the effect I had on younger players. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what really matters to me. Yeah.
3: The, the relationships you get from football, um, I I'll always tell people, I can't remember my own stats, the yard, the tackles the right. like to me, it doesn't it matters so much less because what really football gives you is the relationships that you get out of it, man. And I think that's what most of us miss probably the most when we're out of it and also the right. things that we appreciate the most
0: um, right. when right. we're
3: done. And so I um, agree. And um, and so. I will give you a little kudos too, because uh, I feel like I can say this. I played with your brother uh, Julius. And so, I mean, you can always go to the dinner table and say, I got more than him. So.
4: Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I look at it as, I, I look at it as what we have combined. So. Oh, see um, now, now, now because, you, now you're, yeah. now you're showing off. Now you're <laughs> well, showing well, off. Well, I'm saying, I'm like, well, you know, me and my brother actually are the first brothers in NFL history to rush for over 1,000 yards in the same season. And collectively, we have over 15,000 yeah. rushing yards. Um, so I kind of look at it from that. And I think we have around 100 touchdowns or 90-something 90 to 90 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, I, I try to Amazing. put – because this is, the, this is the NFL. And so if you can put uh, two people from the same household together and put their stats together – um, you know I think that's more impressive than me actually having more more yards than him or him having yeah. more yards than me
3: as you should as you should Um, and you know shout out to uh, Julius too man he's a good dude uh, great teammate of mine for uh, just a couple of years uh, in New Orleans right. so yeah. all right you talked about and I've, I've I've seen you on life after I watched your episode I, you know, I watched a couple of your your other shows that you're doing and producing it's really cool stuff and I did see them doing your your makeup uh and your your haircut getting you in right. <laughs> You saw a barber. Yeah, bar yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Right. I, yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I did see that. So wanna let <laughs> you know that. Uh but you talked about the struggle uh the first eight to ten months after you retired. That uh um, right. specifically with, with the drinking, uh could you maybe take us into your mindset during that time? Um and what was the moment when you said to yourself, I, I have to make a change?
4: I mean, I retired and I was Immediately lost. Immediately lost. Something I never expected. You know. I'm so so you guy. went
3: from saying, you know what, I I know it's my time to doing it, and then feeling lost afterwards.
4: I have what they call buyer's remorse. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. I, I have buyer's remorse. So it's like, man, I'm done. I know going into every game this year, this is my last game, and I'm going to go ahead and I'll give everything I have. I'm going to try my best to not get hurt, but I'm going to try to uh, win a Super Bowl and and. Hopefully, I can get to eleven thousand rushing yards. And um, and when I retired after that last game at Mile High Stadium, and I flew back home, uh, we had our last team meeting, and I moved my stuff from Kansas City back to to uh, to Miami. I sat in my house and I looked around and I'm like, okay, who, who am I? Who am I now? Yeah. What am I going to do now? Um, you know, usually off, the off-season program workouts start in two months, in March. It's January the 7th, 8th. Okay, I don't have that. Um, the season starts in July. I don't have that either. Um, So all I could see as a 33-year-old retired NFL player was 33 to 75. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see the next season. And that's what I was used to seeing yeah. as a football player, the next season, my junior season, then my senior season, then your college freshman season, sophomore, blah, 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 on and on and on and on. So I never had to see set what 75 looked like because I was too busy seeing what the next year looked like. You know, yeah. um, So I hadn't planned for anything, and I didn't have anything that I was passionate about because all I knew and loved was football. Hmm. So yeah, um, I resorted to drinking. Uh, beer, which was totally out of my character. Uh, as you said, you know, I trained heavily in the NFL. I was very, very uh, much in shape and had an extreme diet and uh, super lean, three, four, 5% body fat at 230, 235. Uh, so you can't do that drinking beer. And I realized that <clears throat> beer was the only thing that made me not think about how much I missed football and the environment. Oh. And so it gradually became uh, more of a habit. Um, to the point to where I would wake up at 6 a.m. or 6.30 a.m. having a Corona. And then I would just drink uh, sporadically during the day. And even when I would go to the gym, I would have a beer before I would go to the gym. It just made everything feel better. Because even going to the gym reminded me of football. Nothing. There was nothing that didn't remind me of football. Everything. Everything. Um, Yeah. And so I realized over a 10-month, almost a year period that I was starting to change. My body was starting to change. Um, I never had a six, I had never not had a six pack in my life since I was a kid. And I started to look at my physique and, and I also started to look at like my eyes and, you know, I, I was just starting to change. And fortunately I was able to bump into some people that introduced me to acting Mm. at the perfect time, because if, if I would continue down that road, um, Honestly, there's no telling when I would have been able to to stop.
3: Well, hats off to that man, and uh, you never know what God has lined up for you. And sometimes, and I and that's a perfect transition because your series on Amazon Prime Video, um, Life After, told you I watched a couple of episodes of it already. Um, it gets into the transition of guys like yourself, like me, after football. So I know what I get from it but I'm a former player who's been in that locker room, had to make that hard transition and and learning yourself post-football. For those that are not like me or you, what do you want people to take away from it uh, when they watch it or after watching it?
4: I would want people to understand that all NFL players, uh, first of all, aren't multi-multi-millionaires that's just not that's just not how it works um i want (laughs) uh (laughs) and i can understand why people think that because the nfl is so big and there's so much money floating around and you're constantly seeing on the ticker on sports center 100 million dollar deal and 80 million dollar you know um a lot of times people don't take the time to really understand that there's only a few people on a team that are making that money and not saying that the other guys aren't making substantial amounts of money but not the amount of money that they would think, and then there's taxes, and then you have family, and you have friends, and you have financial advisors who are thieves, and you have business managers who are thieves, and you, you know. Um, so there's just so much that goes into our lives outside of just well, you're an you're you you're an NFL player, so now you're a millionaire, right? Um, and also, I want them to understand that you know everyone um, when they retire from the NFL, they don't move to a deserted island and put their feet up. That's not reality. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, We have uh, a very specific lifestyle as NFL players. We have very specific demands. Um, The NFL and football is a very demanding job. Uh, You have to give every ounce of your being to that job, so much so that it's very, very hard to uh, invest in anything else in your life, because the minute you're not thinking about football is the minute you're not going to be in football. That's the nature of the NFL. So once you leave that environment, and you're out here now and you have to adjust to what what the world looks like outside of an NFL environment, it's very, very difficult. And I think that people watching this have a, a, a different respect for NFL players and what we actually go through um, that puts us in the position, um, sometimes the, the the tough position to disconnect from football once we retire.
3: Yeah. And, and so I watched with my son, who's six years old last night, Roman the second. And um uh he saw Demarcus Ware, his episode, the first one, and uh and he was just like, So dad, you're saying like he got carried off the field, like he would play a game, get carried off, and just seeing all the different things and different highlights, it you know, it really does kind of show you the human element or the human aspect of it all that uh you have emotions that all the things that we're willing to put up with or do to help try and win a game or, or wear these pads. We look like superheroes, but we're really, truly not. A lot of us right. have so many hurts, so many different emotions that we go through. And uh, I think you do an amazing job of really sharing that aspect of it, because that was always my biggest thing is that um, we, we're not already as men. You're not allowed to have emotions. All right. But now as football players, you really got to be tough, right? And right? You, you got to be extra hard because that's what this game is. It's violent. It's this. It's that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just thought you did an amazing job of that. And I, I want more people to really dive into that because anytime we can celebrate those that are doing other things outside of the helmet, because that's, you know, I, I'm so much more recognized personally now without a helmet on doing some TV stuff than I ever mm-hmm. was with all the great stuff I accomplished with the helmet on. And it's probably very true for you as
4: well. Right. No, you're exactly right. And I'm glad you made that point. Um, as a as a football player, we're trained to not be vulnerable, not show weakness. That's how you get beat in football. But that's not the human uh, element. It's not human nature. We all yeah. are vulnerable at times. We all have weaknesses and insecurities. Uh, and uh, unfortunately for us as, as football players, we're taught the majority of our lives to not be human in a way. And so yeah. that becomes that becomes a habit, and then when you retire or when you're not in, in uh, on the field or in an NFL locker room, you know you still have those habits. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times we seem very irrational to a lot of people who don't understand our world as NFL players. Sometimes it's hard for me to watch some of these uh, these sports shows. Um, obviously, people are getting paid to talk about football and sports, and I totally get it. I respect it. But a lot of times I'll sit and I, I watch some of these people you know, that have a perspective that's interesting that that have never actually played, and especially played in the NFL.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: And, and it's so wild to just completely hear some of the things that they say, and realize that I would love for one of these people just to have to put on a uniform on 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 game day, not even practice on game day, and actually have to play. And just and then what would your perspective be if you made it out of warmups without saying I, I can't do this? And definitely if you made it through a four-quarter game playing one of the premier positions, running back, DB, safety, corner, linebacker, center, quarterback, what would your perspective be after that game? Um, so that's why you know this docuseries was important to me because mm-hmm. usually other people that didn't play or don't have our experience of speaking for us. And that's what I love about technology now. We have podcasts, we have, we're have we able to create docu-series and speak our own voice and speak our own truths. You know, I see you on SEC Network and I'm always proud of you and takio And um, I'm just happy because you guys are very, very uh, important to the voice as players because you give authenticity to our experience. Uh, And you and you combat certain people who might not know the experience. And there are there are certain people who are haters um, and don't want to know our experience. They want to say what they want to say because they might not like us as athletes or might be envious of of us as athletes. And that's just real talk. So I enjoy seeing guys like you all representing us, guys that I played against, been in the trenches with. I've seen you on the Scouting Report on Wednesday. (laughs) I know this dude right here is always around the ball. He's a ball hawk. You know, so it's good to to get the passion and the real specific nuance in, uh, information from you all um, on yeah. on on TV. and that's and that's how I feel about this docu series if you watch life after on act.
3: no, I, I think you did an amazing job with that. and um and talking about your second act now, okay? Right. Um, and so you said acting saved you. What was it about acting that drew you uh, to it when you didn't have a passion for it? Because you said you you lacked passion when you first retired,
4: I think I was just looking for anything to do. To be honest, I was really really bored. Uh, I I I didn't have. I'm a very passionate person about whatever I pursue. Uh, with football, I was one of those guys that I was in the locker room, weight room, film room all day. I would watch mm-hmm. film. We have a Wednesday work day. You know, we can leave at five. Um, I'm there till eight yeah Mm -hmm. and then i go home and then i watch the dvds at home and i fall asleep watching the dvds at maybe 11 and then i wake up and i get maybe five six hours of sleep and i'm back over there 5 36. um so i dedicate myself to whatever i'm trying to be great uh at and so acting was something that i didn't know that i needed i didn't know that i would fall in love with i didn't know that uh, i would develop the passion for but what I realized was that once I started acting and I started to take it serious and got into some acting classes is that it was similar to football um, in a lot of ways, even from just the specifics of it. You have your playbook in the NFL. The more you know your playbook, the more you don't have to think on the field. You just react. Um, same thing with a TV script or a movie script. The more you know the script, the more you know your character, the more you know your lines. You're not thinking about your lines. You're not thinking about um, do I look stupid? Do I sound stupid? You're like, no. I know my lines, how do I make this character believable? How do I tap into um, whatever the emotional experience this character is having based off of my similar emotional experiences in my life and breathe life into the character? Um, That's psychological, that takes a lot of work. Um, The same thing with the pressure. Uh, You know, you're playing on Monday Night Football, there's no no edit, there's no edit button on that. (laughs) You you come up, you, you miss a tackle and the dude scores, S in front of millions of people at home you don't get it at bars and it's going to continue to be replayed as as an actor you do have different takes but before the director says action that adrenaline is there you know your lines you know the work that you've done you know the notes that the director has given you it's your close-up now the camera's on you you've already Mm -hmm. shot the wide shot so everyone you've done with that now it's your close-up tight shot on your face Mm -hmm. so you have to action boom you got to dig in you got to dive into that character you got to dive into those emotions you have to dive into whatever you're feeling and you have to convey that at that take and if you don't in the edit bay they don't have they don't have your best take so that's how you're gonna look so the the, i think the energy the the passion for acting came from me being able to connect it in a lot of ways to football Uh, and also the competition a lot of competition man you know some incredible actors out here so to book some of these roles or to get some of your projects picked up, you gotta compete. So I think that's what made me really say, hey, this is something that is gonna save my legacy that I've created and, and potentially save my life too.
3: Like when I hear you speak about it, you're passionate about it, number one. And it's like, man, you have taken time to know what that feeling's like. And there's nothing better than knowing the feeling like, man, I got it, right? and that. I right. can do this in like the confidence in which you speak of it's like, man, when the action hits, not only do
4: I know my words, bro, but I'm ready to kill it. You know, as football players, we're naturally actors. Yeah. Some of the biggest characters you've ever met in your life have been in, in a locker, NFL locker room. You're, li- you're not lying about that, actually. And, <laughs> and, 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 and they're just naturally funny or naturally interesting really people. You know, it's just channeling that energy into something else, and that's what it is. That's the beautiful thing about coming from the NFL. I'm, as an actor, uh, there wasn't a blueprint, but I've always been in front of the camera. Yep. Win or lose, you have to talk to the media. So you're under the microscope at all times. Everything you do is gonna be criticized. It's never good enough. And, you know, you, you go from being Roman Harper that's, you know, chilling in your locker before the game but then after that coin toss, you turn into Roman Harper 41. Yeah. different. you That's a different person than, than the man that's home with your family and your, and your six-year-old son. You tap into something else. Mm. Um, So you're naturally able to do that because you've been doing that your entire life. So we're actually more prepared to be actors than a lot of actors are. Um, mm. We just don't realize that. But I put the work in, like you said earlier, I trained for four years in two different actor studios. Uh, I was in acting classes for six hours a week. Mm. Um, so I'm a trained actor, uh, yeah. the, the, the training process is what helped me get out of the state of depression that I was in, mm. in fo- as a, as a former NFL player, because I was able to channel all that energy mm-hmm. into studying the craft and put all the raw emotions and trauma in my life into these scenes in, in my, in my, in my classes. And then that translated to using those techniques into the characters, whether it be an audition or whether it be in an actual project that I booked.
3: So I'm loving this. Now, as we as we continue to unpeel all this on the layers of this onion here, now you got to tell me one thing because I'm reading your name right now. Not everybody knows this, but when you added the cue to your professional name to throw people off with you being a football player, um, did it work right out the gate? Or I mean, like, it's hard to hide your physique, bro. Like, let's just be honest. Here. You walk <laughs> in, they're like, all right, um, all right, you're Thomas Jones. <laughs> And so now you're going to be Thomas Q. Jones, but like, bro, you look like you do something, right? Like That has to be the the question all the time.
4: Right. Well, the the funny part about it is people in Hollywood don't think about football players; They have no idea about it. You're right. There are multiple men in Hollywood that have my physique that look just like actors. You know, I was able to have a really, really good career, but, you know, I had braids most of my career. I looked different and also I wasn't always on TV, you know, usually I wasn't the guy that was always in front of the camera and I wasn't always doing something to bring attention to myself. So I was able to slide in as Thomas Q Jones, um, because people definitely did not expect Thomas Jones from the bears or the jets to be a real actor. And so that's why I added the middle initial because I wanted to throw people off just enough. So in case they did know, they, they wouldn't judge me based off of my football career but based off of whatever role that i was playing and by that time once you see that i can act then you can't say that's thomas jones trying to act Nah, that's thomas q jones oh you know that's thomas jones from the bears what thomas q jones the guy in blah 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 yeah yeah boom because they say what you don't you know you don't get you never get a second chance to make a first impression yeah uh so by that time it's too late i'm thomas q jones already that just so happened to play in the nfl versus thomas jones for the bears is now he's now he's trying to act, of course, All right. that type of thing. All right, tell me one quick answer to this, and I got another follow-up. The Q stands for? Quinn, okay. the middle name. Yeah, okay. Thomas I Quinn Jones, the first. So, so
3: that was what I was initially thinking. Like, it's probably his real name. Like yeah. The Q stands for like what his real middle name is, or did he just come up with it, Like just because it kind of flows <laughs> really well? Okay, got it. Now, I've also listened to you in other versions. You said you went bare bones. You're talking about Hollywood. You went bare bones when you started in Hollywood. You had no car, mm-hmm. uh, living in a studio apartment in Hollywood, you walk to auditions, uh, take us through that experience. And like, how long did you do that? Or how long did that last? No car in LA with those
4: heels. Mm-hmm. I mean, seems right. like
3: a, seems kind of real, bro.
4: <laughs> no, it is. I, and, and to be honest, I still live that way in LA. Um, I've been, I've lived in Miami since 2004. So this is what my permanent residence is, is in Miami. Um, I realized um, if I'm going to pursue acting, and I'm going to pursue it in a way where um, I have, I want to be great. I have to create some sort of stakes. I have to create something, uh, some sort of environment that's going to push me. So when I moved to LA, I've got a studio apartment um, right in the middle of Hollywood. Didn't bring my car. I would literally walk. Um, to meetings, um, or I would catch a cab. So I might I might be sitting in a cab for an hour going to um, from Hollywood to um, Marina del Rey to do an audition, and then I would get a cab after the audition, all the way back. And I'm sitting in another hour and a half because I'm in traffic. And I, and I did all of that just to be told no, you didn't book the role. Um, so you know, living in that studio apartment, which I still live in now meeting other aspiring actors living with people who did or who weren't fortunate enough to have the same uh opportunities maybe that i had to live in the same environment i had it really forced me to be extremely humble and yeah. appreciate any opportunity that i that i earned um and it also it helped me earn the respect of of other yeah. actors mm-hmm. because they didn't even some guys and even my classes they would some guys and some women would know this Thomas Jones, you know, uh, my dad is a big fan, or blah, blah, blah. But they didn't see me that way because I was in class just like them. I never talked about football. Um, I was humble. I was one of, one of the students. We're all learning together. We're all acting together and being critiqued and criticized together. Um, so that's why I took that route, because I needed to really psychologically uh, transform into an aspiring artist to understand what that experience felt like to see if it even mattered enough for me to continue to pursue it
3: you know what man and this is completely off topic but um you seem happy bro like you seem like you're finding your space you're finding your way you seem very happy bro and content and this this thomas q jones is this like who the real version of you is this is like
4: who you really are <laughs> Yeah, I think I think this is the real version of who I am outside of football. Because yeah. football makes you a certain type of way, especially when, especially when you play a long time, you you but you have to be that way to be successful um and have longevity. Uh, if you notice all of the guys like us uh, that played multiple years, we have a certain edge to us. Um, We have a certain fearlessness to us. We have a certain type of confidence and and certain type of mystique um, because you have to think. You can be a humble person and a down-to-earth person, but football is not the sport for that on the field. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to stick your chest out at all times. And and sometimes that translates into your real life. Um, And if you don't have something that you can tap into to understand that it's okay to be insecure. It's okay mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. It's okay to not stick your chest out. It's okay to not be the man, the alpha dog, the the best of the best. Yeah. Um. Then you're gonna be like that the rest of your life because you have to consciously figure out how to get out of that mental space. And if you don't have kids or a family or something um, that reminds you that you're human uh, and not a superhero that you, you have to be as a football player, Yeah, you're not gonna really truly find happiness within yourself because that happiness still comes from the respect you get from other players, the money you get, the attention you get. That's still a part of your confidence in who you are. So mm-hmm. I think acting, because I've opened myself up to vulnerability, opened myself up to being human again, I've, a, I've been able to find a space of peace um, yeah. within myself and and then being able to act and play different characters and and different experiences that these characters have had um, and open my mind up to things that I might not have been as open minded to before. Um, it's just given me a different perspective on the world and people in general.
3: Yeah. So I, I know where you're at now, you probably hear the football stuff all the time, but when you're in these meetings with Hollywood guys, like, do you ever feel like you need to shrink yourself so you don't seem too big or, mm. you know, like, because, you know, my, I was always taught this, man, like, man, bro, don't you ever stop. Don't you let your don't let anybody else ever dim your light. Right. Right. Like, right. no matter what room you are in, you you just keep shining like that always is who you are. You can't let others dim your light. And so I wonder with that, when you're in Hollywood or you're out there in these acting places, like, do you ever have that, that wherewithal or that awareness, like, man, I'm in the space where I might need to like shrink myself? Or do you are like, you know what? I got to continue to be
4: me. That's a great question. Great question. And I struggle with that. That's the one thing yeah. that I will say that I struggle with uh, mm-hmm. is because I, I'm, I'm living a double life. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that I have worked with in, in, in Hollywood and, and, and consistently work with in Hollywood, um, they don't really know my former life, which is still my life yeah. when I come home. When I come <laughs> home, uh, you know I mean? I don't I don't have the studio apartment. I don't walk everywhere. I, I don't. Uh, I, I I don't have those same conversations or relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I come home, you know, I'm I'm around, you know, people that that I've known for twenty plus years uh, that aren't aspiring actors or artists. They're mm-hmm. accomplished in whatever they're doing. Um, so I might be on a yacht, just with a drink, yeah. like. You know, know, just chilling or I might be at a Knicks game courtside um, or a heat game courtside uh, or I might be at Prime 112 on South Beach um, having an expensive dinner, you know, and with the owner of the restaurant, who's like my brother for 20 years, you know, Um, that's so a lot of times, you know, I struggle with that because how do you sometimes dim your light? So, people don't feel insecure, but also not make yourself feel small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not responsible for someone else's light being dark or bright. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to shine light on people and shine whatever light that I have to show them that, hey, your light can be bright too. Um, but it's very, very difficult sometimes because I get caught between the Thomas Jones guy who you know, is here and status and how I move. And the Thomas Q Jones guy who has to work in his environments and work in certain situations that Thomas Jones wouldn't have the patience to. Also, he wouldn't set himself up to work with certain people who don't have as much to lose as him. Mm. You know, so it's a very complex situation. That's a great question that you ask because (laughs) That's the one struggle that I have. And I think yeah. I'll consistently have that because I have this dual uh life that I've that I've chosen to live. Um but hopefully as an the actor, Thomas Q. Jones, a producer, is is slowly evolving and, and catching up to the Thomas Jones football player. So we can Thomas Jones and Thomas Q. Jones can meet in the middle.
3: And the more and more we talk, bro, I had to know. That's why I just had to ask. All right, we're going to go to break right now. And then we're going to come right back with quick hitters to get you up out of here, Thomas. Appreciate it,
4: man. Thank you. You got it. Thank you.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
5: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year
3: All right, man, we're back here with my man, Thomas Q. Jones. The best version of himself is what I've heard. That's what I call him. It don't matter what you, everybody else thinks about him. I know it's <laughs> Jets and Bears fans out there going crazy, but no, Thomas Q. Jones is a beautiful man. It's nothing but great vibes going on today. All right. Thank you, all right, Thomas, we got a couple questions some quick hitters. I want first thing come to mind. I want answers. I want honesty. And this is what we all, the people, tune in for. You ready? Okay. And this is a question that I would love to know. All right. Number one. What was the most you bench pressed during your playing days?
4: The most I bench pressed was 455. Oh. 455 pounds. Uh, that's the most. Uh, and that was uh that was actually my tenth, 11th year in the NFL. So I was that's still, the
3: grown man strip. That's what the grown it man is. man
4: strip is. <laughs> I agree.
3: He's not wrong, people. He's not wrong. <laughs>
4: Yeah, grown. that's what. It, that's why I got the gray hairs now. <laughs> yeah, the, yes. that
3: grown man strength kicks in about like 31, 32, 33-ish. Bro, it just doesn't take as much to lift as heavy. Like, no, no. You just maintain no. the strength. Yes. Okay, okay. I'm very impressed with them numbers. I was thinking about 420s. You put me at 455. I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Better atmosphere, a locker room or a movie or a TV set locker room okay all right
4: locker room environment is just it it, is just so many personalities so and there's so much going on Uh, you, you have one conversation here that's completely something wild and then you have a conversation over here that's about stocks and bonds and then you have you know somebody over here in their locker that's rapping uh you know it's 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 like a it's like a variety show in the locker room always entertain great point the the
3: fact that you brought up stocks and bonds i know that conversation yes very right and then you got somebody rapping over here on the other side it's (laughs) (laughs) all right would winning an oscar make up for not winning a super bowl Hmm. No, I don't. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. See, I knew Thomas Q. Jones was honest. He's not lying. No,
4: no. That, you never get Super it back. Bowl. Tell
3: me why. the Super Bowl is. What?
4: Oh man. I mean, I didn't dream of winning an Oscar as a as a kid. As a mm. kid, I I dreamed of winning a Super Bowl ring. So, although it would be an incredible honor to win an Oscar, uh, and it would feel great, uh, something about Having that ring to flash everywhere you go and being a part of uh, NFL history as a world champion, there's no better feeling than that as a football player.
3: Yeah, I'm with you, man. And it's so hard, too. All right, so what's your favorite character you've played?
4: My favorite character out of all the characters that I've played would probably be my character on Marvel's Luke Cage, Comanche. Mm um, I think that I was love re- that
3: show. He loved that show.
4: Well, it was a great show. Great show. Hated to see that it uh, it, it was uh, wasn't renewed. Um, but that character was incredible because uh, it was a very layered character. Shout out to Chao Coker, the creator of the show who believed in me. Um, that gave me the opportunity to play that character. Shout out to Alfrey Woodard, incredible actor, uh, beautiful woman inside and out. Theo Rossi, my brother, who played Shades uh partner in crime on the show i developed an incredible relationship with theo and Alfie woodard uh mm-hmm. during, during the, that second season of luke cage um and i grew a lot as an actor uh it was a lot of pressure on me during that season to uh to bring this character to life this very complex character uh and i was able to step up to the plate and and it, it gave me a lot of confidence moving forward so yeah comanche on marvel's luke cage was so far my favorite character that i've, that I've been able to play
3: I'm just glad you didn't say Thomas Q. Jones. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's the actor you want to work with the most that you haven't yet, or who you would love to?
4: Man, so many incredible actors. Um, obviously, Denzel Washington is is incredible. Of course, I mean, um, I don't think that's kind of the the, the <laughs> typical answer, but. I would love to, uh, I was thinking about this guy the other night, I'm a huge fan of his, uh, Robert Duvall. Mm. And I know Robert Duvall is older, now an older, elder actor. I don't even know if he's even acting anymore. But um, I watched so many of his movies and so many of his projects, and he's such a diverse character uh, from Armageddon. um, I think it was Armageddon or Deep Impact, one one of those films. Uh, to Lonesome Dove, a western that I grew up watching with my father, um, I see actors like that who are so diverse, um, and I'm like, wow! Uh, an actor that I would have loved to have acted with before he passed with was uh, Patrick Swayze. Mm-hmm. Patrick Swayze was was an incredible actor. Um, Viola Davis. I, mean, I know I'm giving you more names than one, but there's just I can't answer that with one name. Viola yeah. Davis uh, is is. I mean, there's so many actors that I look up to and look at, and I'm like, I pattern my career after them in a way. In a way, some of their styles as actors um, I pay attention to and learn from.
3: Okay. Last one here. Who is on your Mount Rushmore, personal Mount Rushmore? You And it's just four. We This is a hard thing for all of us. Just four.
4: Go. Mount Rushmore of what, exactly?
3: But like just in people like that have
4: influenced your life. Got you. Okay. Ah, oh, man. My father. All right. One. Malcolm X. Two. Um, one of my high school coaches, Barry Jones. Okay. I love high school and, coaches. Yes. And one more person. Wow. What a question. what a question in my entire life ah man i would have to say my running backs coach jimmy ray
3: okay i like it now yeah last thing out here and i want you to share this personal story i've heard it already and uh, we're gonna get you out here thomas but could you tell the people why you wore number 20
4: yeah i wore number 20 because my mother and father um worked a combined 20 years in the coal mines of Virginia. Mm-hmm. My mother worked 19 years underground mm-hmm. and my father worked one year and was laid off and, and uh, he couldn't get back in the coal mines. So um, 19 plus one is 20. And when I signed with the Chicago Bears in 2004, um, I felt like that was a rebirth for me. It was a new opportunity for me to, to, to jumpstart my career. And, you um, I wore number 20 as motivation because every time I stepped out on the field, I thought about all the things that they sacrificed for me to even have that opportunity, uh, to be there. So that's why I are number 20. It'll always be a very special number to me.
3: Well, look, man, Thomas, man, appreciate that. Appreciate you sharing. Like I told you earlier, man, vulnerability is equal strength, man. And uh, I appreciate the, you being vulnerable with us today, sharing all your stories, sharing all your times and, I hope everybody picked up on that today man and uh thank you bro I really appreciate you spending some time with us today thank you Thomas
4: well I appreciate y'all having me and, and this platform is huge man what you all are doing with this podcast and with the pivot podcast and um yeah. you know even I am athlete you know I know that's a little yeah. bit different and, but you know in regards to just you know grounded people grounded conversations, uh what you all are doing man is 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 groundbreaking. It's, it's never been done before, man. It's never been done before. People have a lot of misconceptions about us as former NFL players and as current NFL players. And um and the beautiful thing about it is man, you guys care enough to have a podcast like this to give our uh former players a voice, which uh which matters a lot, man. So thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate the questions. It was, it was a dope dope ass interview, man. It was dope questions, very well thought out questions. Y'all made me think a lot. That last one, man, I felt kind of bad. I'm like, damn, I ain't <laughs> seen my mom. I, I'm, I'm, now, now I can't. Now my mom can't. My, I definitely can't have my mom watching. Because I'm like, from like football, like, okay, my dad, obviously that's my best friend. Only four people,
3: you know. <laughs> that's, that's all you get, dog. It, I'm telling you, it's the hardest one. Everybody struggles because they don't know to go family or they do like no family. Then I just do, it, it's a hard one. It's a hard one. Well, thank you, Thomas Q. Jones, for joining us today, blessing us with your time, your 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 vibes, your mindset, everything that you've been able to accomplish in accomplish in your Second Acts. It's been amazing to hear today, Peanut. What'd you feel?
2: I felt that that was like entertainment tonight, quality man. You know these <laughs> your, your interview skills. You're just getting. I think you're going to be leaving the, the college scene and, and headed to L.A. Doing doing some of these interviews, in, interviewing some of the stars, man. You are getting really good now, man. I'm getting I'm getting kind of jealous. You're surpassing me. You're actually above me right now. You are well, doing a hell of a job. I, well, I got a
3: man. I, I say, man, it's all about man. eye contact. Let's make this thing very conversational. Yeah. And we'll just see where it goes. Hopefully we got some good TV or hey, man. even better on a
2: podcast. Them them NFL uh, broadcast boot camps, they've served you well, brother. They served you well.
3: (laughs) Well, thank you, man. Appreciate it, man. We're going to get you guys up out of here. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. I ask you once again to spread the word and to give us a rating, a review, and a follow on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is me and Peanut Tillman, and we're out with the NFL Players' Second Acts Podcast.
0: Peace. you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it.